This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I'm going to read in Exodus chapter 13, and I'm going to focus on verse 3, but actually I'm going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. And I'll get to verse 4 in just a moment, but let's read verses 1, 2, and 3 together. Look at it very carefully. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. In this passage of scripture, after 430 years of Egyptian captivity, God brought his people out of the land of Egypt. And he gives a very specific instruction to Moses concerning that special day. And he said, I want you to set aside all of the firstborn from women and beasts, he said. And he said, I want you to set them aside and sanctify them unto me. Now, something just to throw in this morning that you may not be aware of in verse number four, I found it interesting in my study and I wanted to bring it to your attention. And it's just a little extra food for thought today. In verse number 4, the Bible says this day, he's talking about this memorial day that he instructed Moses to observe. This day came ye out in the month of Abib. Now, in the Hebrew calendar, that's called the month of Nisan, which to us, it is between March and April. And so that's the specific time frame. I thought maybe some of you might be a little interested in that. It's a strange word and a strange thing in the Bible we don't really uh, spend a whole lot of time explaining and dealing with. God had brought these people out of a very difficult situation. He said, now he spoke to Moses, I'm not going to go through the whole Moses thing with you at the burning bush. You know that story and most of you are very, very familiar with it. So this day had finally come. The day of their deliverance, God brought them out 430 years of captivity. God said, now Moses, I want to set this day up as a reminder, as a day of memorial. Don't ever forget it. Now I got to thinking about that and so I want to speak a little bit about this particular day where we have gathered this morning on this holiday weekend because for us, This is a very special day. Memorial Day represents a solemn time remembering the great sacrifices and accomplishments of others who gave their all for others to live. I want you to think about that. It gives us this day, this time, this opportunity to reflect upon those who paid the ultimate price for our freedom. I'll tell you what, we enjoy sitting in the church house today 
We enjoy sitting under the steeple and we enjoy this great music. We enjoy the word of God. We enjoy the fellowship. But I will tell you this, this just didn't happen. This is not by an accident. A lot of what we enjoy today in the realms of religious liberty and freedom has come to us with a great price. Many in this auditorium know someone who gave the ultimate sacrifice. You may not know this, but if you take some time to do a little study yourself, you'll be amazed with this information as well. The national holiday, Memorial Day, was actually born out of the Civil War. In April 1863 in Columbus, Mississippi, after decorating the graves of her two sons who died representing the South, an elderly woman walked over to two mounds of dirt in the corner of the cemetery to place flowers on some unknown graves. And while she was doing that, from a crowd of people, someone saw her doing that and yelled at her while she was very humbly placing the flowers on the unknown graves, yelled at her and said, Hey, what are you doing? Then someone else shouted from another place of the crowd and said, Hey, those are union graves, union soldiers. And a soft and compassionate voice said this, I know that. I know who they are. But I also know that somewhere in the north, there's a mother or a young wife who is mourning them just like we are mourning ours. And I found that story to be so intriguing because it is told that after that one incident, and the word got around what had just happened. History records that it was that loving deed from that elderly woman that set in motion our celebration, which has now become a national holiday, Memorial Day. But the truth of the matter is this, sadly, a lot of people in our country have no idea what today is all about, any more than they have the knowledge of what Christmas is all about. Some people think Christmas is all about Santa Claus and flying reindeer. They have absolutely no understanding that for unto us a son was given. That we could have eternal life and a home in heaven. So millions of people have no idea what these holidays represent. And then you think about this. As far as Memorial Day goes, people think that all this is about is hamburgers and hot dogs and a getaway for the weekend. Many never seem to remember the significance of this day. And as we've just read in the Bible and Exodus, listen carefully, as taught in the scriptures, there is a special admonishment to recognize and to remember specific days and to give honor where honor is due. I want to do that this morning. Memorial Day is a time set aside for us to honor those who served this country and gave their lives in battle. We celebrate Memorial Day once a year 
But I want to encourage you not to forget that the sacrifice that our loved ones have made is a reminder to us every single day of the year that they gave it all for our freedoms. Those who gave their lives on the altar of freedom, may we never forget that they did not die in vain. Much of the sacrifice that our loved ones and friends have given has come with a great price. And I will reemphasize that it enables us today to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in freedom. I did a, re a little research the other day. Listen to this. In America's past wars, they have tried their best to calculate, to put down on paper the numbers of the dead. In the Revolutionary War, it was estimated that 25,324 Americans lost their lives. In the Civil War, it is estimated that 498,332 lost their lives. In World War I, and I want to emphasize this, that the flag standing before me today came off of my grandfather's casket. He was serving in World War I. And on the very day that he boarded the ship to go overseas, the war ended. Most of you may not be familiar with this, but World War I started in 1914 and ended in 1919. And it was estimated that the total population of casualties in that entire war was between 9 and 13 million people. Americans, 116,710. World War I ended on June the 25th, 1919. We think about the casualties of World War II, 407,316. The Korean War, 54,546. The Vietnam War, they say 58,098. The First Gulf War, 293. The Iraq War, 4,485. In Afghanistan, 2,229. And so from all of that, I say from Bunker Hill to Yorktown, the Battle of New Orleans and the War of 1812, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, from Gettysburg to Shiloh, from San Juan Hill to the trenches of Verduren and Bella Wood, and to the trenches of Normandy and Korea and Hamburger Hill, to Grenada, to Panama, from Kuwait, Afghanistan, Kosovo, Somalia, Iraq. I think all of us today, need to take a moment to thank God for the brave Americans who went to these places, who served in our place, who has given us the right, the freedom, the liberty to gather in a church house like this today and continue to sing, God bless America. Amen. Memorial Day, by tradition, has given us an observance that has a very significant, a very special meaning. And I thank God for the ability that we have today to remember our fallen heroes. I believe that there's a need for us to have memorials in our life. And we are taught that in our scripture. In fact, I want you to look at another passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
in verses number 12 through 15. They'll get these scriptures on the screen for you in just a moment. But if you're turning your Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 12, the Bible says this, Then beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Now, this is a scriptural instruction all throughout the word of God to remember certain significant days. And if we're not careful, this is what I believe. If we're not careful, we could easily get to the place in life where we tend to forget God's blessings on us. God spoke very specifically. Do this as a reminder, as a memorial for me. Most of us have short memories anyway. I know that I do. I'm getting to the place now. I don't know about you, but I'm having to write down most everything I do or most everything I have to do. I put it on my visor. I put it on my refrigerator. I put it on mirrors sometimes when I shave. I put it in my date book. Put it on the countertop. Now, am I the only one that does that? No. <laughs> I can go through the toll booth down here off of Pot White from one side to the other and forget where I'm going. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I ask myself, where am I going? What am I doing? That's bad, I'll tell you what. We all have different kinds of ways that we remind ourselves, especially when a loved one dies, we put something very special on the grave marker that speaks well of them or says something about them. We keep diaries or we keep scrapbooks or we make homemade videos. We have so many ways to catch a memory with our fingertips, very easily done today. But I wonder how many ways that we are actually setting up memorials in our heart for the significant things that God does for us on a daily basis. The Word says that He daily loads us up with benefits. I think it's good to remember what God does for us, and I would encourage you to do this. This might sound a little old-fashioned to some of you, but in the back of your Bible, you know where they have the maps and all of that stuff that means nothing to you. You never study maps, most of you. But in the back of the Bible, when you have those white papers or the maps that you do not understand, I would ask you maybe to write in those little places. Start keeping a record of the things that you pray for, you agonize with God for. You start praying on a certain date. Write that date down somewhere that you don't forget it. And then when God answers that prayer, you go back and write the date when God showed up. I want you to think about that because all of us have been in places in our life where circumstances come out of nowhere and it seems that these things have a way to just rip our hearts out. You know what I'm talking about. Because of devastating and overwhelming problems, sometimes those things that have left you in such a paralyzing way, you didn't know if you could take another step forward. 
Maybe you've had problems in your life where you've cried yourself to sleep. Or maybe you've had problems in your life when you prayed and you prayed so much you didn't know what else to say. You didn't know what else to do. And you pleaded and you begged for God to intervene. You begged for God to hold your hand through the low valley that you were going through. And then out of nowhere, God showed up. God intervened and you could feel his tender hand embracing you and comforting you and speaking peace to you. You could hear his gentle whisper. You could feel those spiritual ravens begin to feed you. Somehow the clouds slowly seemed to give way and the sunshine began to set in. And once again, God delivered you. He brought you out of a mess. I think it's good. It's significant to write down the day you started praying, but greater write down the day that he brought you out. God spoke to Moses and said, I want this to be remembered. We need to remember this, that whatever happens in our life, nothing happens to us unless it first passes through the hand of God. And we need to keep in mind this, that things can get bad in our life in seconds. We have a blessed promise of Scripture that God... Through his word, he says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's one thing that we need to hold to. We get into the difficult moments. But as bad as it is, sometimes I think that we have a tendency out of our situation. You know, sometimes we pray this, God, get me out of this mess. I don't know if I can make it another day. I don't know what to do. And God somehow, he shows up, he delivers you, gets you out of that and sometimes if we're not careful, we have a tendency just to say, thank you, God, and to go on. And we seem to forget it overnight, where we were, where we were at, what God did. And his marvelous, infinite grace and mercy that rescued us. Sometimes we have a tendency to just ignore what he did. We thank him for it. Thank you, God. And we move on like nothing happened. But I think we need to never forget the place where God brought us from. And I want you to think about that this morning. There have been some tragic days. I, I was writing some of this down the other day. Now you think with me. Though we think about some of the good things, we'll talk about that in just a minute, but there's been a lot of tragedies in America. There have been some things to remember, I think, in history, modern history that we'll never forget. We sadly remember in 1962 when prayer was removed from the public schoolhouse. We sadly remember in 1963 when Bible reading was removed from public schools. In 1980, we sadly remember that the Supreme Court made it illegal to post the Ten Commandments in the classroom. 2003, there arose an energized effort to take one nation under God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. 2004, it was ruled to be illegal to post the Ten Commandments in the, in the courthouse. How could we ever forget 9-11? And now, farther than that, there is an energized effort to take in God we trust off of our currency. Everything this godless world is doing it seeks a way to tear down the precious landmarks which our forefathers had so diligently worked 
to preserve our dependency. I will tell you this, friend. Our dependency is not on man. Our dependency is in God. I'd like to share with you this morning what the greatest Memorial Day for me in all of my life was. And I reflect a little bit in the scriptures before I get to it. It was not, no doubt. It was no doubt a great day when the Holy Trinity of Heaven came down from glory to create this world. When God stepped out on the portals of nothing and just spoke the words, let there be light. That was a great day. It was a great day when he created everything out of absolutely nothing. And then when he reached down to the dirt of the ground and he formed a man in his own likeness and image and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils according to the word of God, making him a living soul. Now, I wasn't there. But it was a great day according to the word of God and we believe it. It's been a day that's been talked about for a little over 6,000 years now. And I believe those of us who are born again believers ought not to forget it. We ought to rehearse it over and over again. It was a great day. You think, let your mind go back in the word. It was a great day when Samuel the prophet anointed the little shepherd boy out of the house of Jesse to sit on the throne, listen now, that one day Jesus himself would sit upon. I wasn't there when it happened, but it was a day never to be forgotten. It was a beautiful day when the Lord Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem's manger. All of the prophecies about his birth had now been fulfilled. The Messiah had come. I wasn't there, but I'll tell you, it's a day that not easily forgotten. It's a day we should not forget. It was a great day when Jesus, at the age of 30 years old, began his public ministry. When he first turned the water into wine at the marriage of Cana and Galilee. It was a great day, performing all of those miracles. When he began to teach and when he began to preach, to show us the way to the Father. When he said this, I am the way. He didn't say, I'm the best way. I'm another way. I'm a good way. I'm an alternate way. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Listen, these people of the world today, they've got so politically correct that they want you to think and believe that there are many, many ways to heaven, that there are many, many ways to God. But I will tell you this, friend, according to God's grace and his plan of salvation, it's a narrow road. He said, I am the way, the only way, the only way. It was a great day when Jesus taught us how to get to the Father. I wasn't there, but those were days never to be forgotten in the Word. It was a sad day, but yet it was a good day, a great day, when Jesus was taken out of the Garden of Gethsemane, when the plan of redemption, the plan of salvation was put into motion. It was a great day when Jesus co uh, completed that mission. He completed that plan. When he cried from the cross, it is finished. The Bible says he gave up the ghost, bowed his head and gave up the ghost. I wasn't there, but listen, it was a day, according to the word, never to be forgotten. I wasn't there when the third day came, the glorious resurrection took place, declaring victory over death, hell, and the grave. I wasn't there, but listen, it was a great day to be remembered. But I will tell you this, in all of those great days, this was the greatest day for me. 
The greatest Memorial Day for me of all time was when the Lord Jesus Christ reached down his nail-scarred hand all the way from the mercy seat of heaven to reach me. When the Holy Spirit of God said, listen, you're in a terrible fix and you're on your way to hell, but if you get in this lifeboat, I'm going to row you up to the golden shores of heaven. I said, yes, God, I'll do that. I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He pulled me out of a horrible pit and he began to apply his royal crimson blood blood on me. Listen, he took his red blood, he washed my white heart and he made me whiter than snow. Glory to God. When he forgave my sins, when he wrote my name down in the Lamb's book of life, when he made me a child of the King, I'm telling you this, that day was the greatest day for me because I was there when that happened. (laughs) Glory to God. I was there. I didn't read about it. No one had to tell me about it. I remember I came home from school. My mother sitting in the service this morning. I came home from school one day. I had been under conviction. She had been witnessing to me. And on that day, my heart was so heavy. I told her I wanted to be saved. My mother sitting in this church house right now, just as a five-year-old boy, knelt at the bedside with me and told me how I could take Jesus as my Savior. Oh, I will tell you, friends, That's the greatest day for me. Praise God. And here's the thing. Listen to this. He didn't send an archangel to tell me about that. He didn't send Gabriel. It's the greatest day because he came to me. Now I hope you can remember that. Can you remember the day when the Lord saved you? Do you know for sure that you're born again, that you're a child of God? We should remember our salvation experience and never forget it. You might say this, preacher, you know, I got saved when I was a child. That's been so many years ago. I don't remember the day. I don't remember the time. All I know is that I got saved. Listen, well, thank God for that. For me, I was five years old in 1963. You might want to write down in your Bible, I don't remember the day. I don't remember the time. I don't remember any of those particularities, but all I know is that I gave my heart to Christ. And listen, let me reemphasize this, that this world's got a crazy idea what salvation is. A lot of people think if you believe in this and believe in that, you can be saved. Well, listen, there's only one way to be saved. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I think one of the things worthy to remember is our salvation experience Another thing to remember is this. And I'm going to go through this real quick here. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse number 5, I think we should remember the vows that we have made to God. Because how many times, listen now, we talked earlier about we, we get ourselves in these situations. How many are familiar with this kind of prayer? Lord, I'm in a mess, a big mess. But if you get me out of this big mess, well, I'll join the choir. If you get me out of this big mess, I'll go to Sunday school. You get me out of this big mess, I'll go to the mission field. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God, if you get me out of this stuff, I promise you, I will do thus and thus. How many times have we ever made God a vow? 
and just totally forgot it. This is an important passage right here. Look at it very carefully. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 5. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and pay not. That means this. Instead of making God a promise that you're going to break, the Bible says just don't promise him at all. Don't make any promises that you can't keep. Remember the promise that you made God. Number three, real quickly, we need to remember that the tithe is the Lord's. Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up you the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings, that there shall not be room enough to receive. We have to remember that. Number four, real quickly, we have to remember the brethren. You know, sometimes we get so obsessed with life that we think that it's only about us. We get so overwhelmed with the burdens and the pressures of life that we think, hey, you know, no one else knows what I'm going through. No one else knows what this is like. And we get so confined and so focused in our own little box, in our own little world, that we forget that there are brothers and sisters all around us who are hurting as well. And this is what the Word says. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourish up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Number five, real quickly, we should remember the truth of God's word. And you know what? I'm glad that when I stand up here and bring you the word of God, I'm glad that I don't have to stand up here and make it up, Grace. Amen. I'm glad that what, you know, when I do my studying, I don't sit down and during the week and say, what can, what can I say here? What can I say there? I'm glad I don't have to make it up. Because what you hold in your hand today is the very breath of God. Amen. And listen, let me say this. If some of you sit in here and maybe not look at the screens or you read it a little bit, you don't open the Bible, you don't turn. Listen, let me encourage you to do something. Don't always take my word for what I say from this pulpit. You see, God's going to hold me accountable for it. But what you need to do, you need to take that Bible and get those pages unstuck and see whether or not what I'm saying is the Word of God. Just don't take my word for it. The Word says study to show yourself approved. Another place the Bible says search the Scriptures. Now look at this in John 14, 26 about remembering the truth of God's Word. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. And lastly, I want to ask our musicians to come forward. I want you to look up with me, Romans 3.23. Here's one of the greatest things that you need to remember today. First, let me ask you this question. Do you know you're saved? Do you know that you're on your way to heaven? That's wonderful and that's great. But I will tell you, you're probably living in a community where there are neighbors on your right and left who do not know Christ. You're probably going to work every day with people that don't know Christ. And it's a wonderful, amazing thing that you're going to heaven. You know that you're saved. You did everything the Bible told you to do. And by the way, that's the only thing we can do. The only thing we can do to go to heaven is to follow the instructions in this book. 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13, shall be saved. Not might be, hope to be, soon to be. The word says will be saved, shall be saved. Now here's the thing. What we need to remember beyond our own salvation is that there are many people in our lives that we interact with on a daily basis that do not know Christ. And you know what that means? In Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Which means this, coming short of the glory of God, the wages of that, the consequence to that, the price of that, the wages of sin is death. That's talking about eternal separation from God. The wages of sin, because we come short of the glory of God, the consequence to that, the wages of sin is death, eternal separation. But the gift of God, what is his gift? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. We have to remember this, that there was not any of us who was born into this world ready for heaven. You see, God did not send Jesus to this world when we had arrived. God didn't send Jesus in this world while we were keeping the Ten Commandments and doing the right things and saying the right things and all of this stuff. Listen, God didn't send Jesus into this world when we were a perfect, made-ready individual. God sent Jesus into this world. God commended His love towards us and while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Not when we were lovely, not when we were worthy, not when we were lovable people, but when we were yet sinners. Romans 5, 8 says, Christ died for us. People everywhere around us are without Him. I think sometimes we need to remember that. It's one thing for you to know your faith but it's another thing to live out your faith and let your light shine for Jesus. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.